and welcome to episode 178 of the NFL Scotland podcast. 18 weeks have come and gone and the best of the best are in the postseason. My name is Cameron Hobbs. Well, nearly the best of the best, the Steelers are there. My <laughs> name is Paul Mitchell. The Jacksonville Jaguars caused all sorts of problems by dumping the Colts. Can you really win the MVP if you lose to Detroit? The Saints beat the Dirty Birds but are victims of a Rams collapse. And the Chargers against Raiders, well, it was simply mental. Wasn't it just? And joined to discuss all of this and more, we have with us once again, good evening, Charles Patterson. Good evening. I don't like that Detroit comment, and I cannot believe you dragged me in off my bye week. I shouldn't be here to discuss wild card weekend. We I'm can say bye right, right now if you want, and you can just pop off again. Bye bye week. Bye bye. And making his NFL Scotland podcast debut from our wonderful sponsors, the Loch Lomond Single Malt Whiskies. We've been talking about them all season long. But all of this came around because this gentleman is a massive NFL fan and he's here to rub it in because there's an ongoing bet, but we'll get to that. Good evening, Tony Brewerton. How are you, sir? Good. Very well, thanks, guys. Great to be here. Delighted to have you. And we'll get straight into week 18. Now, we will uh, obviously kick off, as we've been doing all of these podcasts this season, by looking at the awards, talking through the nominations. We'll kick off with the Loch Lomond Belter, of course, the perfect place to start, as we've got Tony here. And we're just going to get stuck into this, folks. Uh, there's perhaps not a massive amount of different names this week. Per No massive surprises here. A lot of the games were dead rubbers. A lot of the games didn't have a lot to go on. So we'll focus in on the games pretty much that did. Right at the very top, a couple of belters being nominated. First up, Brian Dando, 49ers, to come back from 17 down and win versus a contender. Brilliant stuff. Playoff football has already started. And Ross Taylor gives it to the game. What a game. I fair enjoyed this. And the fact that we were told by a lot of folk that week 18 was a waste, this game showed that not to be true. The NFL seeding kept changing due to this game and the cards game. And do you know what? I'm just going to pause there to reflect because it was bloody brilliant. Now, um, Gordon McGuinness will listen to this. He isn't here. But he will chastise me if I don't fess up to this and admit that throughout Sunday evening, I wasn't overly necessarily keen for us to win because I was quite ready to just cut the season dry and just enjoy my postseason football without having to put anything emotionally into it. But see when that pick was picked. Oh, oh, it was a nice wee moment, especially because the, the Saints had, you know, stuck to their side of the bargain. I'll be honest, Paul. Yeah, I, have, I have to say, the WhatsApp group, and for... for Listeners, they won't appreciate that we have a, an NFL Scotland podcast WhatsApp group, which the banter flies. I have never seen such pathetic attempts to try and do down one's own teams as Messrs Mitchell and Hobbs did on week 18. I don't want my team in the playoffs. They're not very good. We're going to get rolled next week by Dallas. I don't want my team in the playoffs either. They're not very good. We don't have a quarterback. We don't have a receiver. Oh, they both won. They actually both deserve to be in the playoffs. Certainly more than Pittsburgh, and apologies to Johnny Bailey and any other Pittsburgh Steelers fans out there who maybe would disagree. The Saints have got a good enough team to have been in the playoffs, and the Niners, I've been saying for weeks, are good enough to be in the playoffs. And yet neither of you have got any faith in your team whatsoever. It's pathetic. It is Absolutely pathetic. pathetic. I'll take that. Can I, take that. can I just say that was like listening to Rory Bremner. The, the the impression of us both was fantastic, Charles. That, that is brilliant. You, you've got another career in that, mate. Um, let me explain where I where I didn't want to go. 
I would have liked the Saints in the playoffs if they weren't playing the Rams at the Rams because I, I've got a passion hate for the Rams at the moment under Sean McVay and they were clearly, I think, going to beat the Saints. Saints have got a good D. They don't have an offence whatsoever. They did really well at the weekend to beat Atlanta, put them in their place. Trevor Simeon uh, in his second pass was absolutely outstanding. Um, I actually think... And, and we can agree or disagree when we get to the, the actual wildcards. I actually think the Saints not making it has given us a better set of playoff games. That's that's my honest opinion. I think the playoff games are better because the Saints don't play the Rams in the way it's, it's shook up. So uh, there we go. I, I was trying to be nice. Tony's delighted that the Eagles are now having to go to Tampa instead of having to go to Dallas. <laughs> you know, Charles, I am... I am, and, and the the Bucks are a wee bit beaten up at the moment. I, I simply don't fancy our chances in Dallas right now, and I think that it's a good matchup for the 49ers. So I'm looking forward to that one this coming weekend, and Cam, I'm going to be with you. I sincerely <laughs> hope that the Cowboys go down. I mean, I, I hope it now that we're here, right? I still am sceptical. Oh, God, I'm so sceptical. Uh, but we'll get to that. However, there's another person gets nominated for the belty here that might be a contributing factor in that game. Debo Samuel, says James Whitson. Big catches when most needed. Another touchdown run and a touchdown pass in what was basically a playoff game for the 49ers. Rodgers or Bailey will no doubt be the season MVP, but Debo is worthy of consideration. Jonathan Taylor has been the the best non-quarterback, most mentioned in this conversation, and he's had a superb season. But he disappeared when the Colts needed him against the Jags. And Samuel stepped up in the 49ers' hour of need, as he has done all season long. That's fair. I would say that's fair. He's been excellent. He and Cooper Cup have been the two best receivers in the league, arguably, along with maybe uh, yeah. Adams and, uh, I mean, Jefferson's been terrific. But, I mean, it's, it's the fact that Debo Samuel can do so many different things. Um, he's so multi-talented and he's, very, he, he's a very honest player and he plays for the team. He's a great, great draft. Great draft pick. When, when Taysom Hill went to school, he pretended to be Debo Samuel in the playground. That's basically how that went down. So... <laughs> Oh my lord, what are you on? You've been on STV once tonight wearing a beautiful blue jersey and that's the worst take I've made. Oh my lord, jeez. Um, it's true, Taysom Hill got a Debo Samuel top for his Christmas. That's that's how it went down. It's it's the proper Swiss Army knife is Debo Samuel. Um, there was, now, he didn't get a nomination. I've looked at this slight spoiler alert. He didn't get a nomination because it wasn't enough. But a notable mention to Jalen Ramsey. I don't... I, I've. I don't like Jalen Ramsey. I don't like his style. I don't like that in-your-face style. We've discussed that plenty. However, there was one tackle where Jalen Ramsey basically bounces off Debo. And Debo hardly flinches, but he does go out of bounds. And then Ramsey gets up and celebrates in his face like Billy Big Boss. And you're like, watch it back, Jalen. You did nothing, mate. You just floundered around there and pinged off him. I'll, I must share it from one of the accounts because it's, it's very funny to watch it back. Just Jalen to spring up and... Ah! Yeah, I stopped you. And Debo's just like, what are you doing? I just stepped out of bounds because I wasn't going anywhere. Very good. Um, okay, we need to go on because we won't talk about that all night. Big Ben Roethlisberger gets a couple of nominations. Oh, Craig God, Suter no. says, for that overtime charge to win it, shows that he's still got it. Craig Cowan says, fourth quarter sequence with the pressure on to extend his professional career. He's got ice in those aged veins. And Johnny Bailey, you've already mentioned him. Gordon's not here, but he nominates Big Ben Roethlisberger for sweeping the Ravens and Gordon another season and somehow miraculously making the playoffs. He's not done yet. 
Mike Tomlin's dancing in the changing rooms was great too. The Raiders game did no favours to the Steelers fans' tickers, but they made it. Playoffs, baby. No. No. Stephen <laughs> Stephen Lynn puts forward the Chicago Bears for finally putting Matt Nagy out of his misery and maybe making the <laughs> NFC North competitive again next season. It gets no. boring winning it every season for us Packer fans. Uh, that, that, that's wrong, Cameron. They didn't put Matt Nagy out of his misery. They put the Chicago Bears fan base out their misery. I think you've got to get that that right. I mean, Matt, Matt, Joe Judge, as we speak, Joe Judge, I think, is still in a job. Yes. Despite calling a quarterback draw inside his own 10-yard line. I mean, short of wearing a T-shirt that says, please fire me, I don't know what Joe Judge has to do to part ways with the Giants. That's incredible. Really I have is. to say, I, I am m- very upset that Matt Nagy got fired. Um, so, I mean, I've been saying for weeks, I hope <laughs> that he stays. So, <laughs> he's cer- they've certainly caused me uh, no end of grief with this decision. It's it, two, obviously, two uh, head coaches in the NFC North going, you know, that shows how much. And, and then the other one's the Detroit Lions. So, it just shows how much uh, Mr. Rogers is in everyone's heads up there. <laughs> Lauren Callahan, he puts forward the Dallas Cowboys. Okay, so they ran up a score on a team playing reserves in key spots, but not only did they achieve the feat of having 22 players score a touchdown in the regular season, surpassing the previous record of 21, um, which was set by the 87 Rams, the 2000 Broncos, and the 07 Patriots, they also had recorded 1,000. Sorry, they, they also recorded the 1,072nd unique NFL score in NFL history, Scoragami, and we do like it a wee bit of Scoragami. I'll let you have your say on that in a minute, Tony. Don't worry, we'll come back to that game against the Eagles. Daniel Carlson gets one from Ryan Johnson. Late field goal to knock out the Chargers. Mark McCune gives it to the Diddy teams. Lions and Jags upset this week. Jags especially gambling the first round pick by playing half decent. David Brown gives one to the Dolphins. Just probably because they're not going to get another one for a while. So (laughs) don't worry, the Dolphins will come up in the conversation on the other side of this. Phil Spears gives it to football in general. Just an, an incredible week of American football. From Chiefs Broncos right through to Chargers Raiders, everything I watched was excellent. Chris Breeden gives his to Hunter Renfro. Second time I've nominated him, and last one wasn't even read out. Well, we're reading this one, Chris. Last time he played on the 9th of January, he caught two touchdowns from a quarterback wearing number four in a crucial match to win the national championship. This time, with playoffs on the line, Renfro delivered again with another two touchdowns from a quarterback wearing the number four. Delivering big plays in big moments is what he does. A couple of nominations from Sean Breen and Chris Pakai for the Jacksonville Jaguars. Chris says it they've had to they've had stick all season rightfully, but turned in a superb performance to comfortably defeat a good Colts team that were assumed to be in the playoffs. Credits where it's due. Joe Judge gets one. A Belter what? Award. From Reese hey. Nunes. The man gives me hope. I've never played American football for a team, instead I played rugby. I felt it was tough to swap sports, so I stuck with what I knew. But Joe Judge has shown me that I've actually got what it takes not only to be a head coach, but a play caller. (laughs) Careful now. But that, with my time served on Madden, I could do it in the actual NFL for the Giants. Joe Judge, you're a belter for daring me to dream. That's interesting. Yep. Aspiration. Aspiration. Love it. uh, And and actually, Ross Black gives one to the New York Giants. Belter award. The QB sneak gave everyone a good laugh, didn't it? Valid reason. <laughs> Bunch of nominations for the Raiders. Obviously, tremendous game to close things off. 
Uh, the Rams get one from Patrick Wilson. By bottling the lead against San Francisco, they ensure that Cameron can bam up both Charles and Paul about the 49ers getting to the playoffs ahead of the Saints. It also gives Paul another reason to dislike the Rams, which is also quite funny. I'm sure, like all Saints fans, he'll take it gracefully. I, I, I will. Can I, can I just talk, just a little thing on the, the, the Raiders game, Chargers game. Yeah, you change <laughs> the subject. Yeah, yeah, I'll change the subject because I <laughs> could always be a politician. Party at my place later, by the way. Um, what what you're looking at is Al Michaels is one of the best play-by-play announcers going in the sport, and Chris Collinsworth. They actually were starting to hack me off slightly during that Chargers Raiders game. I'm sorry, stop telling me you're speechless. You're paid to talk. Come up with something better than I'm lost for words or I'm speechless. And if you're not prepared to do that, get somebody else in that can do that. It it's it works once. It, and but they must have done it four or five times, and that really, really irked me. I think Al Michaels in particular, he did it. I had to say, I thought Chris Collinsworth's analysis of it was very, very good because he was. It was, it was. I was watching it back again today. The unfolding of what happened in that overtime period and that last drive by the Chargers. I have to say that is, without a doubt, that eighteen play, nineteen play drive is. I've never seen a drive like that ever, and I've been watching the NFL for nearly twenty five years. Absolutely extraordinary. But I think Chris Collinsworth called every play um, yep. when it happened uh, really, really well analytically. But the, that when it, when the timeout took place, I think they were completely and utterly gobsmacked, as was everybody, until we got the reasoning behind it. I could understand it. But yeah, Al Michaels didn't... I can, you can tell why he's on the way out. He's an absolute legend, but I think he's now hit the point whereby could be time for him to just wave goodbye and go off into the sunset after the Super Bowl because he has got the Super Bowl and that could be it. Yeah, I mean, he's a great announcer. Don't get me wrong. He's terrific. Mm. And some of the some of the, the words he used there early doors was great. But once you've used speechless once, don't go back to it. It's, it's just not a good look. Other nominations for the Jags. Uh, Peter Coyne says it best. With nothing on the line but professional pride to get one up on a divisional rival in the biggest way possible and leave them the league laughingstock is peak belter shithousery. The Colts are now going into a long offseason with nothing but angst and doubt about their quarterback, all due to this win. Uh, TJ Watt gets a couple. Tang the single sack... Uh, single seat. Tying the single-season sack record, that's easy to say. Um, Peter Becker missing... picked a pick of pick of peppers. Yeah, well done. <laughs> despite missing two games with injury, he's a monster. That one comes from Neil Halkett. Uh, Trevor Lawrence gets a couple from Paul Marnie and Martin Blair. Uh, Paul Marnie says, finally showing the pedigree and leading his team to a win over the Colts, knocking them out of the playoffs in the process. Um, and then there's a couple of nominations for just Week 18 in general. But, gentlemen... And Tony, you're our guest, so you can start. Who is your belter of the week this week? I've got a couple, Cameron. Uh, and, and I have to say, week 18 was absolutely sensational. Um, apart from something that we'll probably touch on when we get to the ball bags, which was uh, the, the scenes of cowboy jubilation when they uh, walked off having put a 50-burger on the Eagles. But we'll come to that one. Um, I, I, I'm with Neil Halkick. And that TJ Watts, I think, has uh, has done enough and more than enough to you know finally put to rest this whole Michael Strain twenty two and a half sack caper. Um, I think that's a genuine twenty two and a half sacks that Watts got, and I think it was just a tremendous performance by him, not just on uh, on Sunday but throughout the season as well. And unfortunately, it sees the, the Steelers in the playoffs. I would have much sooner seen somebody else in there. 
i.e. the Chargers, uh, but no doubt we'll come on to that as well. I think notable mentions, Trevor Lawrence, um, I thought he had a fantastic game on Sunday, um, showed what he could bring to the Jags of um, some decent leadership, some decent play calling. Um, and the other one that probably won't be mentioned is uh, Terry McLaurin, which goes against the grain of nominating someone in the NFC East that's not an eagle for a, for a Belter award. But back-to-back 1,000-yard season for Terry McLaurin against the backdrop of the cornerbacks that he's had in Washington is no mean feat. So uh, I, I would raise the glass to Mr McLaurin this weather. Yep, great shout. Charles? Mm. Well... As much as I like to give it to TJ Watt, I think the sack record is a bit of a strange anomaly. It's just a statistic. And again, as you said there, Tony, the Steelers are in the playoffs. And I've heard them described in the American media as the walking dead. They are a team that were written off weeks and weeks ago. I cannot see how they're going to do any kind of job in Kansas City at all. So I think they could could be one and done. So... As much as he's been terrific this season, I'm, I'm, I don't think uh, TJ Watt gets my vote. I have, to, and I don't want to give it to football as a whole or Week 18 as a whole because, again, that's just a bit of a cop out in my view. Because <laughs> there were some seriously bad games in there as well as some amazing games. I think I've talked in the last few weeks about the resilience of the Raiders, and regardless of what happened with. The, the overtime period and the timeout and whether or not they were potentially going to run the clock out and then they, took the, they kicked the field goal. I think you look at the Raiders and what they've done in the last four weeks, they were obliterated by Kansas City a month ago. Absolutely destroyed. And they've won four straight. They've won four high-pressure games that they had to win every week. And we all predicted the Chargers were going to win, apart from Paul. Apart from Paul. Yeah, he's now cheering in the background there. The majority of people thought the Chargers were going to walk into Las Vegas and win that game. And the Raiders have been able to withstand the Henry Ruggs situation. John Gruden resigning because of the scandal. They are the the first team since 1961 to make the playoffs despite a coaching change mid-season. That is extraordinary. And whatever happens to them in the playoffs, they have overachieved. Derek Carr deserves massive credit. He's a legitimate top-flight quarterback. They've got a great pass rush and the, the interim head coach, um, Rick Passaccia, whatever happens to him, he's done a terrific job. I would give it to the Raiders. Well, it's the Raiders. It's as simple as that. You know, beat Derek Carr, beat the coaching and just for, for a fantastic game. Uh, I'm just going to give you a, bro- a broadcasting uh, belter. And th- there's, there's two parts to this. The first, it was a full slate of games over the weekend. No Thursday night football, full slate of games. And kudos to the broadcasters for not inflicting Rex Ryan and Beth Mowins on us. That was absolutely top class because they are the worst announcing pair in the world. The one that gets the belter, Chris Fowler and Kirk Herbstreet for ABC ESPN called Kansas City against Denver. Now, they are normally college announcers. They were seamless stepping into the pro game and I thought called the game beautifully. Um, it wasn't the easiest game in the world to call. There wasn't great narratives necessarily around it. Uh, they were brilliant. They were absolutely brilliant. And, you know, if if they ever think about making a change in the Monday night booth, there's the ready-made replacements right there. I'm going to put forward a name that hasn't actually been called out, and I think he deserves some credit, is Jimmy Garoppolo. 
I think that for the second half performance and the overtime performance, I think Debo played tremendously. But given that thumb injury, given how bad the Niners were in that first half, actually that drive at the end, I, I was going to go into my, I was going to my bed. I'll be perfectly honest, I was shattered. Um, back to work on the Monday after a couple of weeks off for Christmas, I thought, you know, I'm not sitting up to watch this. They scored the field goal, and I thought, I'll give the first drive in the second half and see what's going on, just to see what's happening. And of course, touchdown from there, and the rest was sensational. But Jimmy, with that thumb injury, came out and slung it. Um, we talked about on the Pishcast about how clutch uh, Nick Foles was as a quarterback. You know, is he the most clutch? But actually, Jimmy at times can be really clutch. See, at times, Jimmy Garoppolo <laughs> is very good in the moment driving down the field. Now, he's bad a lot of the other times, but see when you just need that final drive, he's very good at it, and he's done it. He's, that, cl- he's that clutch. He nearly hit Emmanuel Sanders in the Super Bowl, but let's forget about that, shall we? It's irrelevant. It's irrelevant. No, no, you cannot give any award to Jimmy Garoppolo when you didn't want your team in the playoffs. I like Jimmy D. I think he's been treated badly by the organization. I've said that before. You can't give him an award because you automatically defaulted on it by wishing them not to win. Doesn't work. I I don't know that I didn't. Maybe I did wish them not to win. It was more I was fine for the season to end rather than I... No, maybe I did say I'd rather not win, but yeah. I'm gonna dig out the WhatsApp. Anyway, Jimmy's not Jimmy's not the person. I'm just giving him a notable mention. The Las Vegas Raiders get it because they they were brilliant. You know, the Chargers they they got a lead. The Chargers came back. The Raiders have have faced a, a lot of challenges off the field this season. Um, they, we have flattered to deceive. Neither us or the Saints deserve to be anywhere near the pale playoffs. It's true. Jimmy picked punter broken emoji. Ha ha ha. That was, not having the game. that was early in the game. Our punter <laughs> was broken. No. I forgot about that. We, we won without a punter. Well, they didn't need it because Jimmy got clutch. Jimmy got I clutch. Think, <laughs> I think if we had been discussing the Eagles and Tony had been in your position, he would have been backing his team to the hill, live or die. Am I right? Totally. Absolutely. <laughs> Jimmy G, honourable mention, but... Certainly not the belter of this. No, no, no he's, and he's not getting it. He's not getting it. Notable mention. Ever. Notable mention. It's the Las Vegas Raiders. Um, so what we're going to do is we're going to raise our glasses to the Las Vegas Raiders because you are the Loch Lomond Belters of the week. We'll move on to the ball bags, ball bag, and then we'll come back around and pick our winners. Um, so, again, there's, there's a shorter list of names here, but... Uh, Brandon Staley gets a couple. Paul Marnie, Sean Breen, Lauren Callahan, Paul Grant, Paddy Kelly, Steve Wilson, all putting them forward for that timeout. That timeout cost them. What was he thinking? You know, it looked like the Raiders were going to take a knee and Staley decides to call a timeout. Pretty much cost his team a trip to the playoffs, says Paul Grant. Um, Sean Breen says, it certainly looked like the Raiders were pretty happy to let that game to a, go to a tie and both teams into the playoffs. Honestly, the Chargers clock management the last three years has been horrendous. It looked like Chargers took a timeout to force the Raiders to try and make first down. Then the Chargers allowed two run plays for 17 yards, which allows a walk-off field goal, eliminating them from the playoffs. Carson Wentz gets a couple. Craig Cowan, Ross Taylor, Mark McCune, Sean Purvis. Um, Mark McCune puts it best. Low light off a shambolic Colts performance. Does anyone else think he looks like Hearts' Liam Boyce? Maybe Boyce swapped in for him on, Saturday, on Sunday. Pretty good. I like that one. <laughs> 
Martin Blair gives it a wider one to the Colts, as does Alex Beaton, Brian Dando, Stephen Bryson, Ryan Johnson, James Whitson, Neil Halkett, Ryan Nunes, and Sean Black. Plenty of people putting forward the Colts, but Stephen Bryson simply says, win against one of the poorest sides in recent memory, and they were in the playoffs. But no, they were absolutely hammered. Jags scored the most points they had all season and should have scored more. Colts, devoid of leadership, had no answers, and will now start to prepare early for the draft where they have no first-round picks. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There's a punching uh, Tony in the air there because he knows how good that Eagles pick looks now. <laughs> uh, Daniel, Daniel Carlson got a nomination for Belter for that field goal. He also gets a nomination from Darren Barry for Bobag because the sheer Bobagery of knowing that kick would put the Chargers out. Miss it, you Bobag, and everyone's happy. Valid point, you could have missed it. Could have pulled it wide left. Um, Ross Black gives one that I think you will enjoy and agree with here, Tony. Of it's the Dallas Cowboys obviously won their Super Bowl on Saturday night, going by the way they celebrated beating the Eagles' second and third stringers. Yes, I'm an Eagles fan, one that has a slight concern that Dallas might actually go and win the thing. I'm not worried. No, no. A uh, couple of nominations. No. no, no. Couple of nominations for the Miami Dolphins, or as Patrick Watson says, the Miami Lolfins. Firing Brian Flores seems like an absolutely bizarre decision. Had back-to-back winning seasons, something Miami has barely done recently, and all with two at quarterback. Flores should be getting a performance bonus, not the sack, Charles. So that's really interesting, um, and I was reading a bit more about that today. So I think that's probably the biggest surprise firing of Black Monday. I think that's probably fair. We expected Matt Nagy to lose his job. We expected... Um, we said Mike Zimmer Mike, would, Mike, yeah. Mike Zimmer was definitely in, in, in hot water and it turns out that the, the GM had gone in Minnesota as well. Flores, an interesting one, and it appears that there was a bit of a power struggle there with the GM, Chris Greer, and you look at the, the owner of the Miami Dolphins who has clearly backed the GM and has clearly backed Tua and there have been doubts about Tua and whether or not they were going to draft Deshaun Watson. We had Craig Easton on the podcast a few months ago talking about this and the fact that Miami fans wouldn't want Deshaun Watson in Miami. It want, You do wonder whether they might go back in for him. The, the interesting thing now about Flores, Flores has done a decent job. He's pretty much gone 500 over three seasons. He's been interviewed, I think, tomorrow for the Chicago Bears head coaching I, I, job. I was going to say, that's the first team that I thought of. As soon as he was sacked, I thought, do you know what? The Bears should be straight on the phone. Yeah, Brian, I agree with her. I, I, I agree. Um, I think that Justin Fields has got more upside than Tua does. I think that that's a great potential situation for him to go into. The question mark there is where Ryan Pace also going. They've got a general manager to appoint and he may want to appoint his own man. Uh, you want to, you don't want to get into a murky situation where you go and take a job and then the general manager's put in that you don't necessarily get on with. This is where that difficult time comes around. Paul? The question to Brian Flores at any interview is, would you consider bringing Deshaun Watson to this franchise? And if the answer is yes, you don't hire him. And I think that is part of the problem, Miami. Miami, the, he was lobbying for Deshaun Watson against what the ownership was looking for. Now, yes, Chicago have got Justin Fields, but, you know, you bring in Deshaun Watson as your number two, potentially, and if Fields doesn't work out, you've got a guy who can play. And there's just some organisations will not take that. So I think that is a legitimate question that should be asked of Brian Flores. Should And, and Miami, I do not, and I think there's more to come on this. I think you're right, Charles. Miami have not sacked him necessarily because of 
football performance. They might have underperformed slightly, but back-to-back winning seasons tends not to get you the sack in the NFL because you go back to square one. You you know, you, you gut the coaching staff. It all starts over again. And that is an awful lot of upheaval for a team that is currently, uh, say, one back-to-back seasons. The Bills are still strong. The Jets are a mess. The Patriots, we're not quite sure, you know, where they're, they're going to go because they always seem to be around the place. But after back-to-back winning seasons... That's a little bit crazy. Can we come back to the, the did the timeout for the Chargers cost them the game mm. or not? Now, th- to me, the Raiders were, were going to run that play anyway. They were going for the run. If the Chargers had felt they had the wrong defense on the field, then I think he was right to call the timeout because he had to prevent them getting into field goal range. And if they'd done their job properly, arguably they could have done that. Now, you could argue the Raiders might have just kicked it anyway, but if you're kicking from such a distance, if you get the trajectory wrong, there was always a chance that they could have been blocked and the ball returned to the other end. So there was risk for the Raiders in taking the field goal. I I don't buy into this that he cost them the place in the playoffs. To me, the Raiders were going to run, and if they got the chance to kick the field goal, they were going to do so because they were taking out the better team. Now, okay, the only chance they would have met later on probably would have been the championship game. You take out the best team when you've got the opportunity to do so. Who would you rather play, the Chargers or the Steelers? It's a no contest. The Raiders did exactly what they had to do, and I think the Chargers did exactly what they thought was best. And what we discussed last week, um, and I, I feel for Gordon because Gordon accurately predicted that the situation might occur. Um, because well, I, I, I wrote off the prospect of the situation occurring because I couldn't believe that Indianapolis would flop um, to, to Jacksonville in the way they did. There was nothing to suggest that they should do that apart from the fact that the Jags had continued to beat them in, in Jacksonville in recent times. But there was nothing in the form of the analytics guide to suggest it would happen. Gordon said it could happen and that there was this tie concept that was on the horizon and that could cause a problem for the NFL. And I said, I would trust that the players on both sets of both sides would play hard, at which they did, and that you would trust them to just go out and try and win the game. And the question is, would the Raiders have settled for the tie? Well, of course they would, because they would have been in. But it only became apparent once the timeout happened, of course, that they had the opportunity to win the game. I don't think that they would have necessarily pushed to win that game because they didn't need to. The boot was on the other foot and the Chargers had had the ball and it would have been a completely different story. And it just so happened that 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 timeout had to be taken. So I don't think that there's any mal. I don't think there's any malice or any kind of murkiness that would have needed to be investigated had it gone to a tie. Because I think ultimately both teams played to try and win the game. You saw what Justin Herbert produced at the end of yeah. regulation time. He was absolutely. There were. If you're talking about percentage chances and percentage throws, those were low percentage throws that he made. Low percentage. And actually, Derek Carr made a really low percentage throw to keep that drive going in overtime anyway. So I don't think there was ever any cons- suggestion of a conspiracy. No, but I get that it comes to the point where you're so late in the game that actually the risk reward comes into play. You're far enough down the field that, you know what, you can go for this or you can just kind of ease off a little bit. And if if it all blows out and you run out of time, so be it, because a tie is fine as long as you don't lose the ball. Because if you lose the ball, then you lose the game, you may be out of the playoffs. So that risk reward thing comes into play. And with the timeout coming into play, it stopped the clock. It eliminated any chance of the time coming down, which actually then changed the strategy of the Raiders because you're like, well, now we actually do have to kind of definitely go for this because there's time on the clock 
and we don't want to give the ball back and we don't want to not kick a field goal because then the Chargers could beat us without the playoffs. So you kind but of they were, put them in. They were going to run the ball. The yeah. But they were going to run the ball anyway. That was the play they were going to have. And all the Chargers had to do was stop them. And they were guaranteeing themselves through. The risk for the Chargers was always the fact that they might have pulled a pass play out and got somebody out of bounds and gone for the field goal. You take out your opponents when you can. Yeah. And I think that's the overriding factor for the Raiders. It was smart, smart football by the Raiders. And the Chargers don't deserve the, the, the second guessing, as far as I'm concerned. Others can have their own thoughts. Um, a couple of other nominations. New York Giants, Joe Judge, get a few for that. That quarterback sneak at three and nine in your front of your own end zone it's not a good look really not a good look i think you know as we record this joe judge is still uh, in his employment we will check twitter before we finish the show to see if that's still the case but yeah not a good time to be a giants fan great time to be an eagles fan when you're in the same division as them i'm absolutely sure but um yes we'll come to that as well um that then all the other nominations really for the seventh seeds uh the afc teams there's a few nominations there. Gareth King says of the AFC, absolute mess of a conference this year with teams making the playoffs that have no business being there and a number one seed that is far from a top team. And Ewan Chalmers says the NFL seventh, seventh seeds, the teams that made the playoffs with the seventh seed show it's not needed. At one point, the AFC looked like a strong argument for the seventh, uh, but the way the Colts and Chargers fell off a cliff didn't make sense. That, um, it didn't make sense and show that six teams is the right amount. Um, the seventh place teams obviously being the Pittsburgh Steelers and the Philadelphia Eagles. So there you go, Tony. Um, right, that's pretty much all the nominations. Gentlemen, and again, Tony, we'll start with you. Who is your ball bag of the week? That guy who just suggested that the Eagles shouldn't be in the playoffs. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I can't see it past Joe Judge for this one. Um, and, and it's not just for... That's NFC pettiness, isn't it? Well, you know, if Cameron gets to do it every week, then surely I... <laughs> very I'm a first, first screener here. Yeah, it, it, it has to be Joe Judge. I mean, forget the, the, the QB sneak when you're second and third and nine right in your own goal line. Um, you know, this guy, I think he's the, is, is he not the first... Is he not the first Giants coach to lose 13 games in a season? And he's lost his last six games double digits, and yet he protests and states his case for keeping his job. Uh, ball bag. <laughs> uh, yeah, he is a ball bag. He's absolutely a ball bag. But you've got to give it to Indy because they choked. That's a bad word to use in sport as well. The C word. Don't ever accuse players or teams or coaches of choking. They hate that. And they'll never speak to you again if you're a journalist. <laughs> and you them. But I am sorry. They Hang on a minute. Wait, there's a story. Uh, there's a story. Who did you accuse of choking? And who's not speaking to you? That's what I want to know. Uh, <laughs> know. That's for another podcast. That's for an off-season uh, reflections podcast. The, um, the Colts absolutely spewed up in front of the finishing line. And there's no excuse for that. So as much as uh, there's no way that Joe Judge should be in a job. And I think Jamie, our resident Giants fan, would agree with us. And I think he did every, a few weeks ago. It's, yeah, he's got to be Indianapolis. That is one of the biggest flops I've ever seen. Yeah, I, I agree with you to a certain extent. But when you're playing a team that's got nothing to lose apart from spoiling you, 
then they have a different mentality. You know, they, they play in a different way and the, the coach got tight. I don't think there was any doubt about that. Um, there was there was no pressure, not being funny. It was a lovely day in Florida. I mean, the Jags were having fun. It was their last hurrah as a team. Uh, they didn't have Urban Meyer there. Um, you know, it suppressed a lot of the joy. And they just went out and played played football. But to me, it was Joe Judge and not for the, the quarterback sneak, but for his refusal to do what I suggested in our WhatsApp group, which was to take off his coaching jacket, his T-shirt, throw them into the crowd, chuck his headset into the crowd and dance his way across the end zone, doing star jumps and then going down the tunnel. That would have been the best possible way for Joe Judge to go out. He should have had the Uber waiting for him at the gate. He should have tipped off the TV people and he should have driven off buck naked down and never graced the Giants facility again. There you go. <laughs> it's, I, and I'm back in the Joe Judge one yeah. here as well. I think the the comment, this ain't some clown show organization. This ain't a team that's having fist fights on the sidelines. Do you know what? Maybe the Giants fans would quite like to see the players have fist fights because at least they're showing some bloody drive rather than a quarterback sneak and third and nine in your own ugh, red zone. Just a, just a horrible, horrible look. What on earth are you learning from your quarterback? Do you know what? Go out and play. Let that boy sling it about. Let's see what he's capable of doing. Give up loads of points and lose heavily. That's better than what they did. It's just appalling. Um, obviously, the general manager going the, or retiring um, means that he may get another opportunity. Like I say, I have just checked again. So Because we've got a tendency to talk about these things and it changes as we're doing it. He's still in a job as we type. So it's, it, it, it's uh, yeah. Ball bags, ball bag of the week. Congratulations, Joe Judge. At least you won something this year, son. Take it and run with it. That's all we can say. Right, Paul. Before we start with the wild card playoff, I'm going to do a little quiz for you guys because I quite like this. If you were going to go to one of the wild card games this weekend, which do you think would be the most expensive to attend and which do you think would be the cheapest? I would say either Dallas or the Rams that would be the most expensive. Rams, most expensive. Yeah. Yeah. And the cheapest, Buffalo. Well, you're absolutely right. So I'm looking at the official ESPN website, which tells you ticket availability. New England at Buffalo is the cheapest ticket availability at $47. Arizona at Los Angeles, you can get tickets for 58 bucks. Really? I I found that stunning. If you want to go to Las Vegas at Cincinnati, the availability at the moment, that is the most expensive ticket. The whole wild card weekend, 204 bucks is what's needed to get you in there. So I just thought it was was weird, isn't it? Absolutely weird. That'll probably be because neither of them have been at this stage in eons. So it's a hot ticket, isn't it? So. Yeah, it, it, it's quite incredible. So yeah, I just thought that that was that was very interesting, and I think it just shows the Rams are still betting in in Los Angeles because at fifty eight bucks, that'd be a decent game to go to. Which one are you going to? I, I mean, Arizona, Los Angeles. If if Cameron clears the expense account for me, that's where I'm going. Uh, I'll give you the fifty eight bucks for the ticket. You fly yourself there. I used to buy that. Don't say I'm not generous. Don't say I'm not Thank generous. You. One thing as well, I completely forgot the opportunity to do this. Paul, you can appreciate this because I'm going to take a shot at Sean McVeigh. Um, we have heard for years about Sean McVeigh's sensational. He never loses when he's one and a half time record. 45 and 0. 45 and 0. You're 45 and 1 now, son. 45 and 1. Anyway, right. Uh, let's move on. I, I, um, <laughs> I never knew a jar of hair gel could talk. 
and that's that's what it is for me. I thought you just were talking me. jar of hair gel. <laughs> no, no, not you. You're far too handsome for that. As as television showing tonight. Yeah, for anyone that didn't pick up on the on the comments, uh, I did make a very brief appearance on the STV news. Do check it out. Um, uh, if there's any agents out there, I am available. Um, I, I still think they'll clear you of all charges, so don't worry. <laughs> right, we need to pick some winners. We need to pick some winners for our prizes. So, Tony, um, obviously you're going to pick the Belter of the Week. So I need a number between 1 and 41 from you today. Let's go for the year that the Eagles were formed, 33. 33. Now, I've made the stupid mistake of putting these in alphabetical order and not putting it in an order. It's easy oh, for me to find 33. Like, like, like you did two weeks ago, Cameron. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> um, congratulations to Craig Cowan. Craig Cowan, you have won well, a take. bottle of Loch Lomond single malt whiskey and two NFL Scotland Loch Lomond tumblers. The last bottle that we're giving away as part of the regular season. Do not worry. We've got more coming up in the postseason, so stay tuned for those. Um... Uh, who's been a, do you know what Paul because of your smugness and we've not touched on it because I've forgotten about it for winning the fantasy league against me last week well done by the way to you and congratulations Adam if you listen to this well played Adam well done Paul um, you can pick the ball bag same please 141 yeah well I'd just like to announce first of all that Adam is being kept on as the coach of the team, I've extended his contract by 12 months, so well done to him for that. Um, let's go with, oh, there's so many good numbers. Um, number 19. Number 19. Congratulations to Kenneth McCombie. Kenneth, you win a pair of ball bags. Ball bag underwear. Fantastic. Okay, uh, now we do need to take a moment here to talk as well about the Bonnie Sauce Company Pick King or Queen of Scotland. Uh, we have a Pick King who has been crowned for the second time. We've done this. is the fourth season we've done this. Uh, congratulations to Brian Dando, who won it the second time we did it. Um, he managed to... So part of this is you win through Bonnie Sauce Company. You win a jersey of your choosing. You win an NFL Scotland hoodie. You win a selection of Bonnie Sauce sauces. You also win access to the very NFL Scotland Fantasy League that we were talking about. Now, Brian was in it two years ago. The person last year didn't want that prize, so Brian got to stay in. And Brian's in the league for a third year. I thought we'd get rid of him, honestly. Sick of him. Um, but Brian, the Welshman, who continues to be the pick king of Scotland, congratulations, won it by picking the Raiders. He was There was four people at the end that could have won it, and it was only Brian out there by himself. I thought we might have to do a tiebreaker. Didn't come down to that. Congratulations, Brian Dando. Thank you again to Bonnie Sauce Company. Thank you again to Bob Ags. And Tony, thank you to Locke Lomond for uh, getting involved with the podcast. It's been absolutely brilliant. We've loved giving it away. I think uh, hopefully you've enjoyed seeing people winning these prizes and people sharing it on social media. The feedback's been tremendous. So it's been great. It really has been super. Yeah. It's, been, it's been good for us as well. Um, you know, the guys winning their prizes, put it on Twitter, um, you know, guys like Phil Spears really want to get involved with whiskey. Um, it's, it's just been super for us, and it's been an absolutely delightful thing to see happening um, with you guys and in social media. And I'm sure we're going to speak about next year and what we do from that as well. Absolutely. And to help us secure that, um, all we'll ask is try and butter up, Tony, by making sure that you follow at Loch Loman Single Malt Whiskies. We'll make sure and tweet this out, you know. <laughs> share the share the social media love because that's going to help us get more. And ultimately, who benefits from that? You, the listeners of the NFL Scotland podcast. So, okay, 
Let's move on then, because we need to move on to wildcard weekend. Uh, we have got six, six crackers, absolute crackers. Uh, we'll go through these in order. Uh, we'll talk about this. We'll not do our picks because we will do that pick six and i know that paul paul likes to know what i'm picking so that he could pick something different uh because he's got some catching up to do in that competition but Bengals. I, I do i do before you start we don't have six great games i'm sorry we don't we've got five great games plus pittsburgh at kansas <laughs> how about that is that being controversial i'm not i'm not having a go at the steelers necessarily i just think that it that to me is the, is the turkey of the bunch because i cannot see I could argue for any other team winning. That's the one that I can't argue for in, in the, any way, shape, or form. It's very difficult to see Pittsburgh winning unless TJ Watt and the, the, the Pittsburgh defence have an absolute blinder and somehow Ben Roethlisberger manages to get Najee Harris the ball 76 times. I can't see how they can keep up with the Kansas City. So I do agree with you. But this is the thing about the playoffs – Everyone's got a chance once they're in the dance. And it, Mahomes might go down on the third snap. And then you've got Chad Henney coming in. So you just don't know. And I think the thing about Pittsburgh is, again, we talked about um, the Raiders. They've got resilience. And so they know how to do it. They've, Mike Tomlin's never had a losing season. And they're abysmal. But they still managed to get there. So it's exciting because it's that time of year where anything can happen and usually a team in wildcard weekend pulls off an upset and I'm intrigued to see which game it will be because I'm finding it difficult to pick which game is going to be the upset at the moment well let's go through them in order right because we'll, mm. we'll come to that and that is Sunday night football before that we get to the Saturday what is Saturday late evening very late evening for us and it's the Bengals Raiders uh, and this is fascinating just purely because the quarterback situation, both quarterbacks are very capable of slinging this ball down the field. This could be an absolute cracker of a game, should it, could it not? Love, I love the matchup. Um, I, I do worry a little bit about the Raiders' pass rush against the Cincinnati offensive line. Joe Burrow's taking loads and loads and loads of sacks this season. But if he plays like he has done in through the last three weeks, then... You want you worry about the Raiders' cornerbacks and safeties. Um, Cincinnati beat the Raiders in November um, pretty convincingly, and I wonder whether the the high, the emotional high for the Raiders of Sunday night, maybe it might rub off a little bit, and they might not have that magic. You got to favour the home team, and on paper you would say that Cincinnati are a better team. They're a much more explosive team, but I just wonder whether that is the shock. That is, that's where the, the shot might come because Cincinnati once or twice this season, I mean, they, they, they haven't, there's been times when they've had a, you know, they've had a great result and then they've not backed it up. They had two great results back to back. He threw for nearly a thousand yards in two games. They then took the week off and you just wonder whether or not that the defensive line of the Raiders might do a job on them. This is a free hit for the Raiders. The Raiders yeah. weren't expecting to get here. Um, this is a free hit. And if they go out and play loose, and I'm not saying without a care in the world, because it's playoffs, you want to win. Derek Carr is going to play in the playoffs for the very first time. If if they go out with the right attitude, they are a massive threat to Cincinnati. And one of the things, and Charles, you've been in this, and, and managers will tell you, you know, what's happened in previous years and games doesn't matter. But it always seems to stick. And Cincinnati have not got a good record of the playoffs in recent times. 
It yeah. really is that simple. They've got their own jigs to beat. Now, if they, even if the team don't believe that, that's what the media is going to be banging on about. There's going to be narratives about, well, Cincinnati get here. They never do anything. They never win. And combine that with the Raiders who should play with the freedom. Not quite devil me care, but they, you know, they should go with an aggressive game plan. This, this is my pick, by the way. If I only was allowed to watch one game, this is the game that I would watch because I think this will be fun. Yeah, I, I would agree with you. I'm definitely this is the one that I definitely want to watch, and I would argue that yeah, if the Bengals fall here, then it will be a massive disappointment. If the Bengals can get over the hump here, I think that there's a chance they can go all the way. I think there's a chance they can win the AFC, but they have to get past the first game. And if they do that, then they are the ones that are playing loose and free. I'm, I'm not sure about um, whether they could go all the way, but I, I think this game is the one that they, they have to get over that psychological barrier, as Paul says, of not doing well in the playoffs and not doing well in the playoffs. I, I think I think this is a great matchup. Um, I really would like to see the Bengals win it. Um, and, and not not because of um, you know, Burrow or uh, or anyone like that. I just I, I think they've been a delight to watch this season. If we can get over that hump, um, I, I think there'll be a better matchup to potentially the Chiefs in the uh, in the next round. Yeah, it's definitely really interesting. You go back to the last time that the Bengals won in the postseason, 1991. They beat the Houston Oilers. In the next round, they lost to the Los Angeles Raiders. So that was the Los Angeles Raiders. Um, and and they've not won in the postseason since. Um, you look at the Raiders 2003, the last time that they won in the playoffs, but they've only been there once since. So neither of these teams have had any great kind of form in the postseason for a while. So someone's getting that off their back, which is going to be great. And I think that as a game, I kind of agree with you, Paul. I think this is a fascinating game. And I'm really pleased that this is a sociable time for us. This is going to be a great Saturday night. Sit down and watch that with a few beers, knowing that you don't need to get up too early on the Sunday. So, um, I, you know, I think it's a cracker of a game. So fascinating to see exactly how that one pans out. And interesting as well that, Throughout so many of these games, uh, you know, these teams, a lot of these teams have met each other already this season. Uh, you know, the Bengals were convincing winners in this one. So can they continue? Um, or have the Raiders learned something about the Bengals that they can bring back now? So really interesting to see how that goes. Okay. I'll not get people to pick winners because we'll, we'll do this as part of the pick six. We'll share that closer to the time. And there's obviously a, the whole evolving COVID thing. Who knows who will be out by the weekend? Who knows who will be injured? Goodness only knows. So, um, Buffalo Bills, Patriots up next, though, all divisional. Um, fascinating. We've had we've had one crap game between the two because of the weather, and then we had one decent game where Buffalo were the better team. Who do Buffalo, we think? Buffalo are the better team, I think, but they, both offences are struggling a little bit. So, whichever offence turns up, I think will win the game. Um... And Buffalo on paper are a better team. So that's how you would logically look at it. And they're beginning to run the ball a bit better, which I think is very, very important. Just gives them a little bit of balance. But you know, New England a month ago were extremely dangerous. I, I did say I had doubts as to whether Mac Jones in the playoffs would be able to produce the clutch performance and bring out that pass when he needs to make the pass. They've got a great defence. I just wonder if they can't keep up. This is the chippy bowl. The coaches don't like each other. I mean, the, the disrespect, you could argue, that Sean McDermott showed Bill Belichick, I thought, was 
tactically a bad move um, earlier in the season. I don't think you just can't do that. The guy's got the Super Bowl titles. He's the best head coach, arguably of all time, certainly of his generation. And you can't be snippy and snidey about that. I think I, I'm a great fan and I get really annoyed when TV companies don't show it. It's the handshake of the coaches at the end. You know, some will embrace and some will look so far off into the stand and offer their hand as far away as they possibly can get. And we've seen that with McDermott and, uh, you know, and Bill Belichick. The Patriots threw the ball three times in that snow game, which was just taking the absolute piss out of the Bills and absolutely rumbled them. And I just wonder what Bill Belichick's got up his sleeve for this. This could get really, really chippy. And I, I genuinely hope it does. I, I don't disagree, Paul. I, I would I would like to see the Bills up against somebody else because I, I quite like the Bills. You know, there's, there's a lot of adulation for Josh Allen, which I'm not entirely sure is always merited. But I think Belichick could be the difference in, in, in this game. And regardless of Mac Jones's experience, I think he could make the difference um, over McDermott. Um, and I, I think this will be a fruity, a fruity battle fruity battle all for it do you know what one thing that's fascinating here is and, and, and maybe i shouldn't be surprised by this these two teams have only ever met once before in the postseason and that was back in 1963 when it was the boston patriots and the boston patriots won 26 to 8 the only time that the two of them have come head to head in the postseason now you think about i guess when the bills were successful the patriots were a bit crap so i guess fine you might have thought they would have faced off at some point. Both have certainly spent a fair amount of time in the postseason. Um, for Buffalo, I feel like this is Josh Allen's time now to step up and show that he is the quarterback that every, he's the quality quarterback that people talk about and not the, the sort of overhyped one that others talk about. They are hot and cold. Um, I think that they need to come in hot and they need to stay hot. And if, if they can stay hot, absolutely. They're a contender to go all the way. They, they genuinely are. One wobble, one bad game... And that's where I think it all falls down for them. The it, and it's interesting we're talking about running backs. There's actually for me, it's if we look through all these games, there's not really any tremendous outstanding running backs in any of these games. I don't think no standout stud running backs off the the caliber. You know, you've you've got a better one, obviously at Green Bay. I think Aaron Jones is Aaron Jones, Derek Henry, probably the best two running backs in the postseason. I think. Um, Derek Henry will obviously see if he comes back. Zeke Elliott is a quality running back, but it's maybe not had the best season. Um, he's been a little bit off the boil. There's there's Najee Harris, but I think he's had a tough time. He's been overused there. Joe Mixon, probably the best. Uh, Cincinnati. Um, but obviously a, a team that's got so much threat through the air and, and through their wide receivers, the running back's going to get opportunities. And I think that Joe Mixon's probably your best bet to do well in the running back game. Harris is coming onto a game in New England. Um, but again, there's no real standout quality players there, which I think is really fascinating because it feels like there's always some real run-heavy teams in the postseason. Oh, I think yeah, Gordon, just... would say that, I would, Gordon would say that running backs don't matter and individual running backs are irrelevant. <laughs> I think it's about a quality running game that complements your passing game, though. And you talked about Green Bay. Green Bay have got two top quality running backs who complement each other. And actually, Derrick Henry's been out, but Dante Foreman's done terrific in his stead. And, and this is interesting. Buffalo have had their running game castigated all season. They are sixth in rushing. 
Most of that's Josh Allen. Josh Allen, yeah. So, you know, and then San Francisco's best running back has arguably been Debo Samuel. Yeah. So, and he's a right receiver. So I think it's about how it complements the rest of your game. But yeah, I, I, I take your point. <laughs> don't don't forget Josh Jacobs at the Raiders. Yeah, no, don't he was terrific on Sunday night. But again, yeah, I, again I, it just feels like, and with if Leonard Fournette was fit, you know, if Leonard Fournette was in the game, he would be the, obviously a contender there. But the Buccaneers now feel a bit wobbly of that. Lev Bell, like Lev Bell, suddenly coming back into the game, it just feels that's uh, just not. There's no standout absolute quality players at that position. You have to be able to have the ability to run the ball in January, and actually, that's why I say Buffalo's running game has. They've been giving the ball to Singletary the last three or four weeks, and they have proved that they can do it if they need to. I don't think that Brian Dable, the, the Buffalo Bills offensive coordinator, his natural game is to throw the ball. And I think he's realised actually that Josh Allen has been firing all over the place. It's maybe not such a good idea to do that and use Josh Allen as a unit to ram over people, you know, stick him out wide into the into the into the towards the numbers and let him run over cornerbacks. Because actually, that's a great way to move the ball down the field. Buffalo, I think, have got the most difficult route to the Super Bowl um, in the AFC because if they've got to play the Patriots, who've got their number and who know all about them. And if they win, there's a pretty good chance they're going to Kansas City. And if they win that, then there's a pretty good chance that they'll have to play Tennessee. So I think it's a long shot now for Buffalo to get the Super Bowl. And they were my Super Bowl pick. And so I'm hoping something weird happens somewhere that allows them to do that. <laughs> Uh, and also, just before we move on, I can hear I can hear you, Cardinals fans. Yes, I know James Connors had a great season. I maybe James Connors in that conversation for a great running back. But again, I just feel like there's not that A grade caliber. If you're drafting for your fantasy draft next season, I don't think there's any running backs that are playing this weekend that would be in the first round. That's all I'm saying. Um, okay, we'll move on to the next game, and it is of course your Eagles, Tony versus the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Uh, I'm just going to give the list here, though, to kick off this conversation as we scan through um, what we've what we've got here. So we've got the Atlanta Falcons, we've got the Carolina Panthers, we've got the Detroit Lions, um, we've got the Denver Broncos, we've got the Jets. We've got Washington twice, the Eagles, and the New Orleans Saints. Tony, are you worried that you've not beaten anybody good this year? <laughs> <laughs> how, how did I know that this was going to get thrown up? Yeah, if, if, if you look, if you look at strength the schedule, um, front half of the of, of the season was pretty tough. Back end of the season was a bit more favourable, but. Uh, I want to talk about strength of schedule. The team that we're playing against, um, I think, had an easier strength of schedule than we did. Um, and only the Dolphins had an easier strength of schedule than any of the two of us. And uh, it's the old adage that you can only beat who um, is in front of you. You know, we don't determine the, the schedule ourselves. And, uh, you know, to close out the season six and two um, isn't bad going in any manner that means. And uh, when we played some of those teams, they did have a winning schedule. Um, Paul, I think the Saints had a winning schedule when they uh, um, had a, a winning performance. Yeah, that, when, yeah, that was a bad loss for us. That yeah, was a really was, bad loss for us. Was, it, it, was almost a, it was almost a season-defining. And actually, that's, that's one of the best performances that I think the Eagles have had this year. Um, I, I, 
Paul, uh, Cameron, you've touched on Leonard Fournette. I think if Fournette was playing, then I would be particularly fearful about this weekend and really not looking forward to it. And, you know, my heart of hearts, I don't think we'll go down to to Raymond James and, and win the game. Um, but I think it'll be closer. You know, people have been people have been sleeping on the, the Eagles. Um, and I think we'll, we'll, we'll put up a fairly decent performance. I mean, J- Jalen Hutsey's, one of Jalen Hutsey's best performances of the year was against um, was against Tampa Bay and, and Philadelphia. So well, I, I think, you know, using the phrase that's already been uh, used on the podcast, it's, it's a freebie. Um, they can go and enjoy themselves. No one expected us to be in the dance, um, especially you guys. And we'll come on the podcast, no doubt, and, uh, <laughs> at, some point, at some point in the future. Um, but I, I think if, if I was in neutral, if I was in neutral, we've spoken about Pittsburgh harshly, but fairly. If I was in neutral, I would be really disappointed that this was the six o'clock game on Sunday night when I think. To, to Paul's earlier point, I think there's four really good games in the playoffs, um, and then there's the Eagles, Tampa, and the and the, the Steelers uh, against the Chiefs. Um, so it, it's it's prime time for us. It's the best kickoff time. So obviously for me, I'm delighted. I'm looking forward to Troy Aitman and Joe Buck, um, who are the play calling uh, team for that game, um, who I always enjoy, and I'm just going to enjoy the evening. Um, not making any predictions, but I would say don't sleep on the Eagles. You, you, you mentioned the previous meeting, which was in October, and it was mm-hmm. 28-22 to Tampa. Yep. And Brady threw for 297, two touchdowns and an interception. Jalen Hurts, 115 yards and a touchdown and an interception. And, but the key point is the rushing. Exactly. He, you know, yeah, and that's that's the thing. And they, they put 100 yards on the Buccaneers' rush defence, which is the arguably the best rush defense in the league. So when you've got the best running team in football and the Eagles coming in against Tampa, who have got this great rush defense, you do wonder if you're, if you're the head coach of Philadelphia, what can you do to keep the ball away from Tom Brady? You run the ball, you chew the clock up and you just mix up a bit and you take your chances, You take your chances. Everyone knows that Brady's going to throw the ball. Everyone knows that Brady is going to chuck it downfield, but he doesn't have, Chris Godwin. He doesn't have Antonio Brown, who interestingly in that game back in October caught nine catches for 93 yards. Yeah. So, you know, Mike Evans is there, Gronkowski's there, fine, Fournette might be back, but Tampa Bay are not the Tampa Bay of last season where everyone was fit and everyone was firing and they went on the street to win the Super Bowl. Tampa Bay have got, like every team, vulnerabilities. And if you're Philadelphia, it's a bit like the Raiders, you've got nothing to lose. Go out there, play loose. Yeah, I, I love the fact that they all tactically took COVID tests last week and managed to get ruled out <laughs> of the Dallas game. I think that's absolute <laughs> genius. Genius. And if they all come back, all these players, and then they can shock Tampa, no one will be more delighted than I that Brady's out of the playoffs. So I pray for an Eagles win. They've all been activated today, Charles. <laughs> ah, there we go. <laughs> yes. Uh, we'll cast no aspersions. Um, four times the two well, sides have met in the postseason. Uh, Bucks won in 79 the Bucks won in 2002 but the Eagles won in 2000 and 2001 three years in a row you faced them oh you get bored after a while eh um, so there is some history there it's definitely an interesting one like you say I think that uh, for me to be fair to Tom Brady right 
if Brady now goes on and wins this Super Bowl, I think this will be more impressive than his Super Bowl win last year because he has had to do it with a number of injuries this year. Whereas last year, it felt like they just didn't suffer anything. They just, and then they kept signing players and they just kept adding and getting stronger. It was ridiculous. There's been some on the field issues, there's been some injuries, there's been some off the field stuff. Um, to be fair to Brady, if he goes on and wins this now, this one's better than last year's one. Um, however, let's hope not. Let's hope not. Good grief. Well, can I just touch on this? I, I find the TV side of this very interesting. Um, NBC get two games. CBS get two games. Uh, ESPN, ABC get one game. Um, so, that, you know, that's how it's broken down. And Fox as well. What I'm trying to find, and I've not been able to find today, is, is who got first pick. Um, because that would be quite interesting. Because I think Fox have been quite cute here. Um, I think they've got a good matchup and they've got Tom Brady in that six o'clock window. I think we've been very lucky in the UK to, to take Las Vegas, Cincinnati and Philly, Tampa um, as games you can watch. So too San Francisco, Dallas, which we're about to come on to. I think we've actually got some of the better games at good times. I'm, I'm really thrilled about this. But I'm trying to say, if anybody knows who got to pick first, they'd be very interested because I can't find it at the moment. The only one that I'm disappointed that we're not going to see is Cardinals Rams. We'll come on to that game. I think that for Monday night football feels like a total waste. Like pushing that out to Monday night, we should have three games on a Saturday and three games on a Sunday. Play a one o'clock game on the Saturday. Oh. That would have been brilliant. The, the Monday night slot, this is a new slot for the playoffs. Yeah. This has never happened before. And I, if you read some of the American press, they're delighted there's a Monday night game. They stretch it out across the weekend. And that's the big, that's the big audience. That is the ultimate super audience is the Monday night. So, and it's a, it's a divisional matchup and you've got Stafford up against Kyler Murray. So I, I, I don't know. It's, it's not the most attractive game for me of the whole weekend. The, the most attractive game for me is the one that we're now about to talk about, which is the Niners Cowboys. That is the prime game of the weekend. That is the big matchup. And that's the one that whole of America wants to watch because it's the Cowboys and the Niners. And they haven't met in the playoffs since the mid 90s. Yep. So that's, that's, and that's the Romo Nance game as well, I think. So that's an absolute Titanic game. Uh, a long history between the sides. Um, you know, there's been a number of times I'm just scanning through. I think it's seven times they've met each other in the postseason with the Cowboys winning five of them um, and two of them being 49ers wins. So, you know, they've had our number in the postseason for uh, a lot of the time. But like you say, we've not faced them there for, well, not in the modern era for sure. Um, and I'm calling anything after 2000 the modern era in this context. But it's, for me... I don't think you're going to let me away with saying that this is a gimme. I still feel like it's a gimme for the Niners. There's no way I thought we were going to make it here. Um, when we lost to Tennessee, I thought, ah, this is going to be a struggle now. When at halftime of that game against the Rams, we touched on this earlier, I thought there's just there's no way we're making this with a banged up Jimmy with, um, you know, again, a season of injury issues, not as bad as last year. Granted, you know, we, we gave Cal Cameron, I'm going to stop you right, right there. Fine. Right there. Ian Rappaport, Source, the Giants have fired Joe Judge. Ah, breaking news. So there you go. Not only is he the ball bag of the week, he's now without a job. Poor guy. See, (laughs) didn't didn't we say it always happens on this podcast? There you go, breaking news. Joe Judge has been fired, according to Ian Rappaport. The Giants owners met with Joe Judge for two days before making the decision to move on. A full house cleaning in New York. Ooh, I wonder if they've got an eye on Brian Flores. Um, 
But yeah, fascinating. Fascinating. Well, there you go. Okay. Uh, the initial hot take on that one. Are we surprised? It's the no, right decision. No, in New no York. right decision. We were just saying he needs to go. So anyway, let's get back to your dissing of your team. Um, <laughs> That's a capable, right? Yeah, no, 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 no. Oh, it's a free hit. Absolute it's a garbage. I, I, I sit here as a supporter of the Green Bay Packers, the number one seed and the best team in football, and probably the favorite to win the Super Bowl. And the one team in the NFC playoffs that I am worried about through history and through the way in which they play football is the San Francisco 49ers. And I am concerned that they are in the playoffs because I think that they can do a number on Dallas quite easily. And if the rest of the book, the games go to form, then they will be going to Lambeau in the divisional round. And that for me is a problem because of the way they run the ball, because Shanahan finally listened to me in about mid-October when I was slaughtering him and calling for his head. And he went back to what he does best with running the ball, the, the zone running game that they've, been able to perfect, took them to the Super Bowl two years. Arguably, they should have won the Super Bowl. They're doing it again. We've slagged Garoppolo to death on this podcast. Garoppolo is a good quarterback. He's maybe not the greatest of all time, but he was drafted by the Patriots for a reason. He is a quality quarterback. He is playing decent football. They've got Trey Lance if they want to play him at wide receiver or fullback or whatever the hell they want to do with him. Um, <laughs> poor guy. And they're playing a standard of football that for me is going to cause Dallas all sorts of problems. Dallas have got the best offense in the league on paper. Dallas cannot be trusted. They've got Mike McCarthy, who has a history of failure in the playoffs as a head coach. And I can say that because I've seen it year after year after year. They've got a great defense, but I'm sorry, if you're Trayvon Diggs, you're not going to be intercepting anything if San Francisco are running the ball 76 times. And that's what I think that they'll do. They will run it straight at Dallas. And San Francisco are the biggest team in the NFC. They are bullies. You saw how they shoved the Rams around. I think they can do the same to Green Bay. I think they can do the same to Dallas. I think they can do the same to any team in the NFC. And I think they're dangerous. I think that that's true. My worry has been my worry all season long. Above all else is the secondary for us. I think that if Dak can get the time, if his offensive line can hold off our front seven and Dak can get time, he can punish us. And I think that when Dak is in his groove and he can do that early, that's where they're dangerous. I think what we would need to do to win this is we need to get to Dak really early. Rattle him, put him on his back foot, make him second guess, and then we've got an opportunity to keep pressure on him. I think that's when he starts throwing a little bit wayward, and then you can put something on him. The Cowboys have been real hot and cold throughout this season. There's been some games where they've been utterly tremendous. Um, uh, and they've done so really without the run game. You know, a couple of games... You, you look at stuff like that. But against the Niners, the run game can work. But really, to beat us, you're going over the top. Um, CeeDee Lamb, Amari Cooper, obviously top, top talents. Michael Gallup being injured and probably out means... I think he is out, isn't he? Um, yeah, so, there he is. yeah. so that's a loss for them for sure. But Dalton Schultz has really stepped up as a tight end. They've got weapons. They've got weapons. Tony Pollard's a danger out the backfield as well. Um, you know, Dallas are the favourites, and rightly so. I'm not going in expecting anything. Can we win? Sure. Sure. Do I expect that we will? No. Will I enjoy the game? No. I'll be miserable all the way through it, because I always am. But that's <laughs> the joys of being a sport fan, right? So <laughs> that's where I'm going. Tony, how do we beat the Dallas Cowboys? Well, Cam, if you, if you remember back to the game between the 49ers and the Eagles, um, it wasn't a particularly great game, but we, we spoke at length about the San Francisco front seven. 
And they are absolutely the difference makers. Um, and I think they could well be the difference makers. And you, you've hit the, the nail on the head. You have to get to DAC. You have to get to DAC quickly. And if you do that, then you neutralise the threat of Cooper and, uh, and C.D. Lamb. And the, the Cowboys have a sensational offence. You know, they're, they're, there's no doubting it. Um, but they're vulnerable in defence. And, you know, it, it's, it's going to be one of these situations where um, it's going to be one turnover, two turnovers that, that makes a difference. And I think the 49ers are possibly better placed in order to turn the ball over. And it's a game of turnovers when you get in playoffs. And I think that's how you win the game. Yeah, indeed. Paul, anything to add on this one? Are you still reading up on Joe Judge? <laughs> no, I, I, I'm I'm not convinced that Dallas have necessarily got the respect they deserve at certain times. They, they're not a bad team. They just tend not to piece it all together at the same time. Um, Dallas, I think, and, and Charles mentioned, once you're there, you've got a chance. And I wouldn't necessarily sleep on Dallas here. Um, they, they do have enough in the right places. My question would be, do they have the right coach? Now, I know he's been successful in Green Bay. I don't think he's had a particularly good time in Dallas, and that might be what tripped Dallas up. Yes, indeed. Let's hope so. Um, okay, on to Steelers Chiefs. As we touched on with the Bengals Raiders, and as we touched on with this, these sides have met fairly recently, um, and the Chiefs won that one convincingly. How do you see this one panning out? What, what I think about this one, and... I, I do not Pittsburgh, and if people haven't listened to the podcast before, my wife is a Steelers fan. The Steelers get roasted in our household every Sunday evening, every chance we possibly get. I love it that Mike Tomlin is is man enough to come out and say he dozed off during the Raiders-Chargers game. I just thought that was brilliant. And I love Mike Tomlin. He is a tremendous coach. And the reason why I say I think this is going to be the most disappointing game is I just don't think that he has enough at his disposal to cause Kansas City problems. I could argue for any other team. I just can't come up with a cohesive argument of how the Steelers are going to beat Kansas City. This is a late game. I'm delighted it's a late game. Um, although, to be fair, I'll probably scroll through it quickly on Monday and watch it. I try to watch it as, as live, if you like. Um, I'll, what I'll probably do is launch the game, take it to the start of the second half, see the score, and that'll determine whether I watch it all or not. <laughs> <laughs> uh, for their long history, surprising that these two have only met each other in the postseason twice. Um, uh, they've both got a win each. They, they, they met in 94, where Kansas City won, and they last met in 2017, when the Steelers won. So, you know, not a lot of times they've met in the postseason. Is the big difference here for um, the Steelers that Mike Tomlin is a, a winning coach? You know, he hasn't had a losing season. The fact that they've just recently played in Kansas City means he's got a bunch of research from his own team losing that he can hopefully go and adapt and change things around to try and go back and win. Um, or am I clutching at straws? I, I, well... Mike Tomlin's a winning coach. What does that mean, Andy Reid? Andy Reid is Andy Reid Reed is taking Kansas City to the last two Super Bowls, um, and he took the Eagles to the Super Bowl. I, I I think that is that in itself is an anomaly. I think you've got two outstanding coaches here, and then you've got a quarterback who is one of the top three in the league in Mahomes versus a guy who really should probably have been retired by now. 
But I don't think it comes down to the quarterback, really. I think it comes down to Pittsburgh. The only way they can win this is by controlling the ball, controlling the clock, and keeping Mahomes out. And it comes down to Pittsburgh's defense. They have got to try and do a number on Mahomes. And Kansas City's defense has been through this streak through the course of the season where they have blitzed teams to death and they've suddenly improved. But they're not actually that good. Um, And... I do see a chance for Pittsburgh to just, if they can keep Mahomes quiet, Tyreek Hill's got a heel problem. So if he's not fully fit and ready to go, that just limits their deep play threat. It perhaps just gives them a chance. They've just got to stay in the game. And you never know what happens. There's nothing on paper, though, to suggest that the Steelers should win that game. No. Uh, Big Ben was injured in the last game. However, it felt like it was late enough that, do you know what, it was 23 nothing at halftime. They weren't really in at any point. Tony, is there any scenario that the Steelers win? Of course there is, yeah. I mean, you know, Big Ben's last hurrah, so, you know, it could be destiny calling, but um, they're going to have a tough, tough ask. They've got some fairly decent weapons, but it's whether or not those weapons can be nullified by by Kansas. Um, I, I can't see it happening, but they're in the dance and you can just never say another any any one of these 12 teams playing at the weekend can win yeah, yeah. They, they are the least they are the least favoured team with Vegas of all the teams yep and I don't think that comes as any surprise but um, yeah to, to be in with a chance you've got to be there and they do have a chance. They've got a fighter's chance. And again, I, th- I think a little bit like Las Vegas, I think a little bit like Philadelphia and San Francisco, go loose, go play. Just go play and co- cause the other team problems if you can. Don't be tight. Don't be afraid to lose um, and go for it. Somebody on our pick em will pick em. Idiot. <laughs> <laughs> That's, that's not very nice. He's one of the co-hosts of this podcast, you know. I'll tell you right now. Just, I'm not just picking the to Steelers. be different. I'm not picking the Steelers. So if you want one on me, Paul, take the Steelers because I'm definitely not I, doing it. So thanks, thanks, mate. <laughs> that's what you call a gimme, right? Uh, the last one, and like I say, the one that I'm probably most disappointed at because I think this will be a cracker. So I've got to record it, get up early, and watch it as quickly as I can before I start work on Tuesday morning is the Rams versus the Cardinals. Now, the Cardinals are on a stinking runner form. Absolutely stinking. Um, Apart from that Dallas game. Apart from that Dallas game. So I wonder whether that is a true reflection of what they are or whether it's actually a true reflection of what Dallas are. But you've got to look, you look at the Rams and what's happened to them on Sunday night. Emotionally, they must be absolutely rock bottom. So what a chance for Arizona, in my view. They've got they are the ones that go in there with nothing to prove and nothing to lose, in my view. If if Kyler Murray's fit, and I don't think we ever know whether Kyler Murray's fit, because he didn't appear to have been fit since about early October, then if you're the Rams, you've got to somehow work out a way to contain the running game and Kyler Murray and deal with the demons. You're expected to get to the Super Bowl in your own stadium. All the pressure is on Sean McVay and the Rams. And I'm sure Paul would agree with me because he loves Sean McVay. <laughs> You're taking a rational dislike to people. I've taken it. He's probably a really nice guy. He probably, you know, if I went out to LA, he'd probably invite me in and buy me a beer. I just, you know, because he's nice like that. There's just something I don't quite quite jibe necessarily with him. Um, 
mean, he's done a tremendous job. There's no doubt about it. He's upgraded his quarterback. He, you know, he's not afraid of the big decisions. He's given Cooper Cup the chance to shine. The, to me, this is the Rams game to lose. Um, and I wonder if they'll just feel a little bit of pressure. Arizona, yes, I think Arizona are the team that beat Dallas. I think that is who they are. They play better away from home as well. I think there's a little bit of pressure here on the Rams. You've got to win your home playoff games, if you, and it really is that simple. I think it's a better game. I've mentioned this on the podcast than the Saints against the Rams would have been. Um, yeah, I, I think it's an interesting game, and I think it's a it's a good choice for Monday Night Football. If I'm ABC ESPN, I'm delighted at that pick. Matthew Stafford has never won a playoff game. So, um, as somebody who's watched him as a lion year after year, fail, not choke, but struggle to kind of make the big plays when he's needed to. Look what happens on Sunday night. Two interceptions against San Francisco. Pick sixes against Green Bay. It's all on Matthew Stafford. Kyler Murray hasn't really been here before. And he's he's got that little bit of wizardry. Matthew Stafford was brought to LA to win the Super Bowl. Yeah. It is absolutely on Matthew Stafford. And don't forget, Arizona went into LA in week four, I think it was, and destroyed the Rams. So they know that they can do it. There's no fear for the Cardinals. Yep. It's interesting. This is Cliff Kingsbury's chance to show what he's all about as well. So much being spoken about how great a head coach. Um, a lot being spoken about his... Uh, Second half of the season record, well, it doesn't really matter now because you just you keep going until you lose. So, Tony, uh, you've obviously been watching a lot of the games this year. Does the con- does the Cardinals drop in form concern you at this point? Do you think the Rams have enough here? Or do you think there's enough magic there in Arizona? Of course, without DeAndre Hopkins, massive weapon to be missing. Is there enough skill there still, though, to go into LA and win this? I, I, I was just, Paul had just mentioned the you know the men in the desert, um, and as far as the betting is concerned, and I, I would, I would have absolutely sworn blind that this game would have been the the narrowest, the, the narrowest of spreads, but it's not. Um, so it's favouring the Rams minus four, whereas your San Francisco Niners yeah. is actually the minus the, three. The, I was, I was flabbergasted yeah. when I saw it as well. The uh, closest game, bizarre. Uh, absolutely. I, I think, I think if if I was a supporter of, of either team. I would be worried one way or the other about the, the recent form um, going in. I, I think Stafford is susceptible to mistakes. Um, and I think the Cardinals, what, they're one in five for the last five games of the of the regular season. So they're, they're not exactly showing form. Now, was the game against Dallas the outlier or was that the true form for either one of those teams? Who knows? I think this will be the closest game of the weekend. Um and I, I, you know, I think you could toss a coin as to who's going to come out and talk on it. Yes, indeed. Um, it's it's a big, big, big game. This I think. I, I think this is a bigger game for Sean McVeigh than it is for Cliff Kingsbury, uh, for sure. It's. I don't think McVeigh's under any pressure whatsoever. He's just won the division. Of course, he's not. But this is a talent stacked team that's designed to win right now. Von Miller, going and getting Von Miller was all about winning now. And you can start to see him starting to make more of an impact in the team, I think. So he's going to be a big, important player, especially with someone like Kyler Murray. They need big defenders on Murray quick. Um, When you let Murray escape, that's where he can do damage to you, even without Hopkins. So I I think this is a fascinating one. I I genuinely gutted it's Monday Night Football for me. I understand why, you know, the American market is going to be delighted with that. But that's that's a late one. 
Um, we'll watch it on Tuesday morning. Um, I'm working, so I can't sit and have a beer. And there's no way I'm avoiding the score all day because you buggers will be tweeting me all day bloody long. So that's not happening. Um, <laughs> yeah. We will be now. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, look forward to it. I, I think we do. Yeah, I, I, coming back around, I think, Paul, you're right. Five great games, one questionable. It's wild card weekend, though. Anything can happen. And we look forward to it. But yeah. I'm, I'm turning up at your door at half nine on Sunday night, by the way. <laughs> mm. Fair enough. <laughs> I'll, uh, I'll be hiding under my duvet. Um, <laughs> so, <laughs> I want to know what you do under your duvet. <laughs> no, def- definitely not. Definitely not. Um, so there you go. Uh, the New York Giants can't even sack Joe Judge on the right day. What can you say? I can't even get that right. Uh, but that is the full-time whistle for episode 178 of the NFL Scotland podcast. Thank you for taking the time to listen to this and every episode. Please do continue to share your thoughts on social media at Scotland NFL on Twitter and search for NFL Scotland on Facebook. Indeed, check out our website as well. Our team of writers have produced some cracking content over the season and will continue to do so all the way through the post-season schedule. Let's hope that the wild card weekend is a wild one. My thanks to Tony and to Charles for joining us. We'll be back next week to review all the action and we'll see where the magic has taken us. Until then, bye for now.